Thank you so much for joining us for another episode of Eyewitness Accounts. We both hope that you had a happy yet scary Halloween and enjoyed our Halloween podcast episode. This week's episode contains three stories by the names of Monster Under the Bed, Baby Park, and Just Rumors. I think my family might have a ghost. Not the house I grew up in, not the one we moved into after that, or the one after that. My family has something attached to it. The house I was raised in was built by my parents, so nothing out of the ordinary should have tipped them off that something was wrong. And this isn't to do with a disturbed burial ground or anything like that. From what I remember, nothing was ever super strange about my childhood. And I can't pinpoint exactly when the ghostly events started happening. All I know is one night, in the middle of the night, the way I lived my life changed forever. My entire family has sworn up and down multiple times that they've never touched any sort of artifact that could link any sense to the haunting we've experienced. The strange things started happening at first. I wasn't exactly sure what I was seeing or hearing. I wanted to push the ideas away and convince myself that it was all just a bad dream and none of it was even real. But as things progressed, it became more and more difficult to ignore the signs that something was deeply wrong with my family. At some point, we all refused to sleep alone and my sister and I would take turns sleeping in each other's rooms. So one night, like usual, my sister was taking her turn to sleep in my bedroom. We didn't have the space to bring both of our beds into one of our bedrooms, or we would have done that a long time ago. However, for the time being, our system was working. But there was one flaw. We had to sleep on the floor. We were both tall for our age, and we had yet to upgrade to a double or queen-size bed, so two tall girls sharing a twin-sized was not going to work. But we had a system. One of us would sleep on the floor, and our parents had bought us these huge blankets that when draped across our beds, they nearly touched the floor. So whoever was sleeping on the floor was saved from the monster under the bed. Whether there truly was a monster under my bed, or if this was just a version of whatever had been following us around from house to house, we still aren't sure. But one thing I know is... There's no freaking way my sister is making this up. Tells the story like this. She's laying on the floor like she usually does, wrapped up in blankets and surrounded by pillows to bring some comfort to the hard feeling of the carpet. Something will curl up. Footsteps, she thinks. It sounded like footsteps. Thinking it was one of our parents walking down the hall to come check on us, she tries not to fall asleep right away, staying attentive to whoever might come into the room to say goodnight. Her back is turned to the door, so she doesn't have to get a glimpse of the bottom of my bed. But then she heard the door creep open, so she turns her body towards the door, but keeps her eyes closed. But she thought it was weird because she never heard any footsteps actually enter the room, which our parents always did, usually tucking in whichever kid was in the bed that night. So she slowly decides to open her eyes, steal a peek of what might be lurking in the doorway. She knows that in order to glimpse at the doorway, she'll have to sit up enough that she would be seen on the opposite side of the room. She stays quiet and slowly trying to make movement without any sound, she she starts to sit up. But she doesn't even have to sit up all the way to see what's in the doorway, or what wasn't in the doorway. There the door was, wide open, with not a soul around, 
for evidence of whoever might have been visiting us. Thinking it was strange, but not strange enough to do anything about it, she lays back down and boldly faces my bed. She has her eyes closed, but is wide awake, listening for any sounds that could be movement. That's when the scratching started, the scratching under the bed. At first, she said it was sporadic and slow, but then as the minutes passed, it picked up like someone was scratching to get out of the coffin, frantic. She says it was so loud that she has no idea how it didn't wake me up. And even though we were never a religious family, she found herself saying a prayer for the first time in her life. When the scratching stopped, she jumped to my bed and woke me up crying, saying that we couldn't sleep here anymore. I could barely make out what she was telling me until the next morning after she had calmed down enough to explain what she had experienced. I don't remember her sleeping in my room much after that, and if she did, she never slept on the floor. I don't know much about the monster under my bed or who it was there to frighten. All I know is the next house we moved to, the scratching started coming from the closet. So, you know how when you're growing up in a community and you're around a lot of schools, there's bound to be a few playgrounds around? And that was the case for me. I always knew to avoid the school after dark, and my parents always led me to believe it was because of the strange or illegal things going on around the playgrounds at night. So I never questioned it. You don't go to the baby park at night. That's the only rule I had to follow. That and, of course... Don't stay out too late. My friends also knew that my parents had this rule. We could hang out at the church playground by my house that was fairly well lit, or we could be running around the streets. But I was not to go to the baby park. Now I can understand why. This was before I could understand any of this and simply thought I had to avoid the playground because of the older kids doing illegal things or just being stupid. And my parents were protecting me from getting in a situation. One night I was staying at a friend's house and I was always the friend who was having to leave early because I wasn't feeling well or I forgot something that I would need for the morning. And that's exactly what happened. We had all gotten into bed as we were all settling down to go to sleep. I start feeling really sick. I could tell that the feeling wasn't going to pass, so it was probably best for me to just call it a night and go home. And hopefully I could sleep whatever was wrong off there. And if I had to get up in the middle of the night to get sick, I could do so in the comfort of my own home. So I called my mom to see if she could come pick me up, but she wasn't able to because she had had a few drinks. But since I was just a few houses away, she suggested that I just walk home and she would wait for me at the end of the driveway. She could practically see my friend's house from mine, so she wasn't too worried that I wouldn't make it home, as she would probably be looking for me before I even packed up my things to leave. As I did so, I got a text from mom saying that she was outside waiting and that I was good to head out. My friends and I had stayed up later than usual, so it was a bit darker and colder than it usually would be when I was heading home. And I also would be usually in the comfort of my parents' car. One thing that was different about staying at this friend's house is that I had to walk past the baby park. Thankfully, I would be on the other side of the road and I would see my mother in the distance waiting for me as I passed it but still something didn't sit right with me about walking by maybe it was because of how ingrained in my head it was that I under no circumstances am allowed to go near that park at night especially when it was this 
late at night. I started my short journey home, and as I turned at the slight bend in the road, there was my mother, illuminated by the streetlight in front of our lawn, waving to me. I waved back and picked up the pace as I could feel my body's reaction to passing the forbidden park. I couldn't help but turn to look. And once I started looking, there was no looking away because my parents were right. When I looked down the hill to the small park in the ill-lit basketball court were a bunch of people sitting in a circle. And of course, with a quick glance, it might look innocent enough. And maybe it was because of the ideas of what goes on there at night I had filling my head. It definitely didn't look friendly. I can't say for sure because it was dark and my adrenaline was off the charts, but they seemed like they were in all dark clothes and maybe even holding hands. I couldn't make out much of what I thought they were doing because I didn't exactly want to stick around to find out or be spotted stalking them. So I turned my focus back to my driveway where my mother was no longer standing at the end of, which was strange because just a few seconds ago, she was there waving at me. I knew for certain she was there. When I got to the house, she came rushing out with slippers in her hands. I'm so sorry, I forgot to grab something for my feet and I was getting cold and since I didn't see you, I figured I had time to run in. That was confusing because she did see me. She even waved at me. You waved at me, mom. You saw me. I didn't wave to you. I didn't see you at all, I promise. My mom and I don't talk much about that night, and I have yet to tell her about what I think I saw going on at the basketball court. But one thing I know for certain is, you don't go to the baby park at night. There's a house at the end of my subdivision that's right next to a cemetery. When I was younger, I assumed that it was the people who owned it, or care of it. My young mind was highly influenced by cartoons and silly ghost stories that had me convinced that's the only way you can live next to a cemetery. You have to own it. Well, wasn't I wrong about that? The house was a decent size and it's right off of a main road, so it's not exactly the best spot for a house. Oh, and it's right next to a slight turn, so again, not very ideal when you're trying to leave for work in the morning. So I can justify why the house might have trouble keeping people around. The location alone would be enough to send me backing. When I was young, I of course never took notice to those sorts of things, people moving in and out. And since they weren't neighbors, it wouldn't be affecting me because there was nobody that I would be playing with there anyway. When you get older though, you start noticing those kind of things. Houses that your friends grew up in being sold, or people who used to teach you play piano are moving out. That's when I started noticing the house by the cemetery was going up for sale every few years. When I brought it up to my parents, they explained the whole location and how it's not exactly an ideal spot. And if there were ever lots of people driving around at night, you certainly would be kept away. Them being able to justify why people might not want to live there curved my curiosity. Even though we would always make the joke. And it's right next to a cemetery. A few years later, the house went up for sale yet again. And a new young family moved in. They seemed like they would be sticking around for a long time, like they were ready to make this place their forever home. But the young girl who moved in with her parents ended up going to my school. So I befriended her, not 
only because she was kind and would make a good friend, but also because I wanted to find out everything I could about the house next to the cemetery. She told me there wasn't anything super weird about the house other than it was on the older side and would make sounds every once in a while and the house would shake when the furnace turned on. But other than that, she never really experienced anything. That is, until she came to school a few weeks later and her sister had brought a Ouija board home. She thought it would be funny to use with her friends and she didn't believe that anything bad was gonna happen. And of course, that's when the strange things started happening. Things would be left wide open when someone was positive. They closed it or items started going missing all the time. The house was colder than normal and everyone seemed more on edge, more than usual. She explained how she would hear noises all the time, not even during the night like most people think is when things would start happening. She would hear voices or see things in the corner of her eye in the middle of the day where she found it hard to find any other explanation. I don't know much about what happened after that as we started to drift apart because I was terrified that she might have something attached to her. As far as I know, she still lives there. I heard a rumor that her sister had to do a cleansing ritual to clear herself and the house of whatever had attached itself to her. But then again, that's all rumors, right? Thank you so much for joining us yet again here on Eyewitness Accounts. We hope that you enjoyed this episode, and if you have a story you want to hear on this podcast, you can email us at podcasteyewitness at gmail.com or send us a direct message on Instagram at eyewitnessaccounts. And if you're looking for an extra spooky, scary holiday season, don't forget to check out our Patreon at Piper Stoffer, P-I-P-E-R. S-T-A-U-F-F-E-R for our Urban Legend Show. Scoring by Paul Dawson.